0: Um, uh, that was my first time singing the exalted so I mean uh, anyway um, thank you for bearing with me Um, and uh, the uh, I love that line Um, oh truly blessed night when things of heaven are wed to things of earth and divine to the human and at that point the fire alarm went off for the second time (laughs) gotcha (laughs) <laughs> um, so I, uh, um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm my colleague Juan Diego, um, and uh, this is my first Easter year, so thanks for letting me celebrate with you. Uh, my last assignment was in Nicaragua, and uh, I was the chaplain to the state prison there, and I was saying some messages uh, in us recently, and telling some stories from that, some of which I'll share with you tonight. And uh, somebody said to me, wow, that must have been a really powerful experience for you. I said it was. It was. Uh, it was life changing, really. I mean, I like mariachi music now. <laughs> 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 um, it, it, the Easter Vigil is such a, a a powerful event, right? Yes, we commemorate, we celebrate, we rejoice <laughs> in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is <laughs> this is why we're right here. Um, but it's so packed with poignant symbols. Um, we begin with the Liturgy of Light, the Luminaria, right? The blessing of the fire, that light coming into the darkness. And then we remain in darkness for those seven readings of the Old Testament. A reading to mark each day. Well, the six days of creation, the seventh day got to her you know? Siesta. <laughs> <laughs> So he, uh, yeah. And then we move into the New Testament and the lights come on. Somewhere at some liturgical committee meeting, somewhere along the way in the past few years, it ended up in the red, which is like in the book, that's what you're supposed to do. You read the black and do the red. It says, after the procession is finished, People extinguish their candles and sit down, and all the lights come on. And I was like, just going to ignore that part there. (laughs) And we tried to do that a few years with the friars, but it's like you lose a major dramatic portion of this vigil, of this liturgy. that happens once a year. I imagine that the committee had been pressured by, like, insurance companies or something. You know, you have to turn those lights on. Yeah, it's a huge liability. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's at the Gloria, right? When we sing Glory to God in the highest, the lights come on, and we're singing Glory to God in the highest, technically, for the first time, you know, in Lent. It's suppressed, even during Sundays. We had two solemnities in Lent, but anyway, you know. Uh, <laughs> then we do sing to And then we're singing Glory to God in the highest because Christ is risen from the dead. Um, so there I was minding my own business um, in, in Nicaragua, I'm the chaplain of the prison, and the bishop says to me uh, about four years ago, you know, by the day, I want you to celebrate all of the celebrations of Holy Week in the prison. I was like, me too, but let's see if the anti-Catholic Sandinista government uh, prison officials are going to let me do that, <laughs> you know, because it, there's always lots of hassle trying to get to do that. Anyway, with lots of prayers, insisting, a few things to grease the uh, the axles of um, <clears throat> of progress. Um, <laughs> I mean, we might call them bribes, but, you know, we don't want to be technical about that. Uh, <laughs> things went off without a hitch. So, I did this, we I would teach the Bible class and celebrate Mass in this massive, I don't know how big it is, I mean, it was huge, um, room. Salon, they called it. It's not a kind of place where you get your nails done, Salon mm-hmm. is a big room in Spanish. Anyway, so... Uh, lots of open-air sort of cathedral ceilings but I mean half the ceiling was missing um, and uh, in this entire building because or in this entire room because of all activities in the prison take place during the day there was one light bulb I mean it's probably ten times as large as this room is one single 60 watt light bulb about mm-hmm twenty five or thirty feet in the rafters in the middle of the room, right? So we're gonna celebrate the Easter vigil. It's dark outside, one light bulb, right? Uh, but I get the good news from the warden. Uh, it wasn't news, it was he was telling me what was gonna happen. He said, Yeah, um, we're not gonna wait till dark, you, you start start the mass at four thirty and I'm like, Well according to okay, whatever. <laughs> <All right. laughs> we'll just do that, no problem. So, so we show up, and it's, you know, it's light out, but it's getting dark as the mass is going on. But as I show up to the mass, the guy who takes, the prisoner who takes care of the um, that area, uh, along with a, 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 you know, a couple guys, he comes up to me. He and I are friends. He goes, Paddy, I got bad news for you. And he's like... He looks like really worried. I'm like, oh my gosh, there has been like hurdle after hurdle after hurdle to get this thing going. And we're there. We got the firewood. We're getting the gates unlocked. We're gonna, we're gonna do this thing. I got bad news for you. And I go, what? And he goes, that light like bulb's burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> um, if That's the worst thing that happens, great. I got a couple of flashlights. <laughs> so we're starting. We're starting this uh, uh, liturgy. We're in about the fifth, in about the fifth reading. We're in fourth reading. You know, halfway through this, like you know, the history of salvation. And I see him running around the whole mass. And then he goes out into the to the main aisle, and he's carrying a desk with four legs, not the kind of desk like with the the writing thing attached to it, right? Just the four-legged, you know, school desk. Because it's a school room that we're in as well. Let me say, man. He goes out to the middle of the thing and he puts the desk down. And Father Dismas, who's the main celebrant, um, looking at me, I'm looking at him. He runs back, not Father Dismas, the guy, <laughs> grabs a desk, like with the thing attached to it, goes out to the other desk and puts that desk on top. And we're going like... Yeah. <laughs> then he goes back and gets a chair. <laughs> goes back puts a chair on top of that thing. <laughs> 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 And, and you've seen scaffolding, you know what's happening, right? <laughs> and then he goes, hey, 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 You know, right to another guy, and it's in the middle of the mass, right? we're just like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> the other guy comes out and like, pulls his contraption, and he's like... Up. To the very top of this thing, and he's like, man, this is like an <laughs> like, the to select. thing I've ever seen. And then he goes, <laughs> <laughs> the light bulb, you know, pulls himself up, puts the light bulb in his pants, pulls another light bulb out, and goes. <laughs> <laughs> Cries back down this thing, disassembles, goes over, flicks the light on. This room ten times his size. One sixty light white light bulb. Ding. Goes over. <laughs> At which point, Paul Dismiss turns to me and goes, he could have at least waited for the glory of <laughs> Pope Emeritus Benedict Sixteenth the, the has this beautiful line. I'm paraphrasing him. I didn't have time to look it up. He says it much more beautifully than I do. He says, By the power of the Holy Spirit, we too, stand today with those first disciples in awe and wonder at the mouth of the empty tomb, at the entrance of the empty tomb. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we too stand today with those first disciples in awe and wonder at the opening of that empty tomb. This is the power he goes on to explain, of something called anamnesis, right? Not amnesia, right? It's something some of us suffer from. (laughs) It comes from the same word, amnesia and anamnesis. It's a Greek word which means to remember. Something powerful happens when Christians celebrate the mysteries, the events of Christ's passion, death, resurrection, and ascension. All of these things are called the Paschal mystery, right? Where do we find the Paschal mystery? Where do we celebrate the Paschal mystery? Well, yes, here at Easter, right? Of course! At Mass, as well. At every sacrament, the Paschal mystery is made present. In the Eucharistic prayer at Mass, in every Mass that you go to, you'll hear it tonight, not just in Eucharistic prayer one, but in every of the Eucharistic prayers, immediately following the consecration, the priest always says, the mystery of faith, and then we respond <coughs> one of three responses, right? The next prayer that the priest prays is known, technically, as the Anamnesis. The Anamnesis. Sister Janet Baxendale, I hope she is not dead, but if she is, may God rest her soul, who taught me liturgy, would be so proud of me, I'm talking to you about this ritual, right? <laughs> It's referred to as the Anamnesis. And it's always immediately after the consecration. Remember, call to mind, the Church asks of us. The reality that is present. Remember, Lord, the death, resurrection, the prayer or something like that. Um, And remember the events that brought us to this moment. Animesis is not merely a, hey, remember breakfast when we had that great conversation about Chimayo? That was like, awesome. You know, we talked about like the wiener dog we saw walking, that was just great. (laughs) It was really funny. Remember that? That was nice, right? No. Animesis is something more than that. It's a making present of past events. The Jews believed they did this, and still believe they do this, in their Passover meal. When they gather together and they eat the lamb and they say the prayers, they are there with those Egyptians as the spirit of death passes over the Egyptians. At every sacrament that we celebrate, the Paschal Mystery is made present in a real way. The passion, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus is present. And it is what makes confession, baptism, confirmation, marriage, Eucharist, everything, holy sacraments, anointing of the sick, possible. The life-giving power of Jesus' death, his victory over death, and ascension into heaven is made present. This is why Benedict XVI can say, we too, stand in awe and wonder by the power of the Holy Spirit with those first disciples at the empty tomb. It's not a historical fact that we celebrate today. It is something that must change, must transform our lives. The gift of the resurrection of Jesus Resurrection means new life. The gift of the resurrection is new life for me, for us. New life in Him. And not just in the sacraments. The power offered to us through the sacraments and through a relationship with God, through His Church, we technically call grace. And an easy layman's definition of what grace is, is God's life. God's life. When we receive grace, we we receive and participate in God's divine life. God desperately loves us that he wants to share his very life with us. When we participate, when we respond to God's grace, we are all sharers. We are all partakers of that new life that Jesus offers us through his resurrection. Through God's goodness, I have been witness to a few moments where I have seen others respond heroically to God's grace, where I have seen God's grace transforming people's lives. I like to call those moments resurrection moments. If you've heard the first part of this story, please forgive me, I don't think any of you have heard the second part. Um, Again, there I was, minding my own business. That's how I often like to start stories. Um, and I was asked to uh, um, to do a retreat for the minors in the prison, uh, those who were under 18 who were serving time. Um, and when I first started, there was only about eight guys there, so I was like, man, how am I going to retreat with eight guys? It's going to be lame. <laughs> uh, the last time I was at on retreat with these, with these guys, like half of them were, stoned um, like, and smoking marijuana in, uh, in the yard and came in like all red-eyed and it's like this is not going good. <laughs> so I was only participating in that retreat but I was asked to, to, to organize and, and do the other retreat. So I was like all right. Um, but there's like 25 people on the retreat team and 8 people who are going to be on the retreat that's... Anyway, why don't we invite some of the other younger prisoners onto the retreat? And there's normally a very strict segregation between the two prisoners, between the two, two sections of prison, the, the majors and the minors, for good reason, they ate at different times, they recreated at different times, they had very little to do each other. So anyway, we had about 60 guys there, and some of the younger set, some of the guys who were involved in the, in, the, in the Catholic prison ministry were there as well, musicians, we had the mariachi band and everything like that, it was fantastic. And it was a very powerful retreat, and so one of the guys, who was over 18, He grabs me at the end of the retreat, and he goes, you know, padre, quiero hablar contigo. And I'm like, wait, you know, he wants to speak with me. So we sit down, and it wasn't confession, which is why I can tell you all the details of the conversation. Uh, His name is Alfredo, and he was serving time there um, for a major crime, uh, which involved violence in the prison, the state prison. And he's sitting down with me, and two of the minors, um, one who was 16 and the other who was 14 in both of them, they're brothers. Uh, They're about as far away from me as like, the front row is there. And I'm sitting down with Alfredo. And the guys' names are Javier and Marco. And they had gotten to the prison about a month before. And Alfredo goes to me. He goes, you see these two guys right there? This is Latin America, okay? right? I don't want to <laughs> oversimplify things or paint with a broad brushstroke or <laughs> stereotype. But where I lived." Violence and vengeance were a daily thing, okay? Um, and I worked there in a prison, so lots of people <laughs> would have been involved in those kinds of things. So Alfredo's sitting at me, goes, you see those two brothers right there? I go, uh-huh. He goes, um, I know we killed my brother. And I was like, ooh, looking around, all the gates are locked, looking for a guard, you know, they're outside having a smoke, of course, or something. And I'm like, eh. Hey. Getting a little nervous, you know, and he grabs my arm, right? You can see that, like, you know, I'm getting a little worked up about this, not knowing how it's going to turn out. And uh, and he goes, and I so I ask him, because sometimes people just say stuff in prison to, I don't know, manipulation or whatever. So I ask him some of the details of the crime. Well, where was your brother killed? Um, he was killed in, in Waslala. I was like, oh, okay, uh, those two guys were sentenced for killing a guy in Masala two months ago, you know, so when did it happen? Two months ago, oh, yeah, it's lining up. Um, and uh, the younger one, who's 14, Javier, was the perpetrator of the crime, and his older brother, who was 16, uh, was the accomplice. And I had spoken to them about it a little, and Javier didn't seem like he was, like, registering anything. For him, he thought it was, like, a joke, you know? Um... And his brother seemed a little more intelligent, a little more with it, and was, you know, sorry for what they had done. And so I'm wondering about this whole situation. Anxiety is like, ooh, spiking. (laughs) And Alfredo goes to me, he goes, Padre, I want you to know que no tengo nada contra ellos. You know, I don't feel anything against them. I don't have anything against them. Mas bien, rather, quiero perdonarlos. I want to forgive them. I'm like, this is a good day to show up at work, right? <laughs> this, is, this is a resurrection moment right here. Something is happening beyond what I'm doing here, right? This man is responding in a powerful way to God's invitation to new life. And he was like a father to those two men, to those two young men. Anytime time we did a youth, a youth thing, you know, every other week we would, we would pull the, the young guys out and we'd do catechism with them. Alfredo was with them, making sure that they were there. He played music with them. He would he befriended them. He was like a father to them. Fast forward three years later. It's the Easter vigil again. The same one with a... <laughs> <laughs> So, as I said, it's like a million things, a million moving pieces. We didn't have a fire alarm there, thank God. Um, but it, all kinds of hurdles to jump over, and you know, you got to bring everything into the prison with you. you got to clear two security checks, like with the candle, eh, the flowers, and everything, right? The wood for the fire. And uh, so, so we're there, and uh, I had spoken to Alfredo before to try to move this thing ahead as expediently as possible because, you know, you may be thinking, it's a long mass, and the homily is making it even longer. Um, <laughs> so I said, Alfredo, get guys. We're going to do all nine readings. I'm going to do the ninth. We're going to do all seven readings from the Old Testament. But get guys who know how to read. Because illiteracy is a common thing, you know, in especially in the prison. And uh, and even if guys weren't illiterate, they were basically illiterate. It was like really painful to hear them read. Mm-hmm. Um, and But we needed to move this thing along. So, the readings are going great. I'm not the main celebrant, so I'm hopping up and down, making sure the guy's going to sing the song. you know. Bah, 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 bah. The reading, the seventh reading is coming up, and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to go get the guys on the glory, and the mariachi band is sitting there, a summer road, having a smoke. And I was like, come on, get back in here. Come get here, I'm walking across, I'm walking across the uh, massive room, and, uh, and Alfredo looks up at me, right? And uh, I hear... Somebody starts to read, I don't even know who it is, and Alfredo's like, making eye contact with me, and he's going like... <laughs> 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 and I'm like, what are you talking about? We're in the middle of something here, you know? <laughs> I'm working here! <laughs> and, uh, and then I hear whoever it was start to read, like, reading, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this guy's butchering his reading. So it's the seventh reading. We're almost there. What are you doing? And I'm like, you know, walking across, and I'm like, smoke's starting to come out of my ear. I'm looking up at Alfredo, and he's looking back at me, and he's going like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm walking, I look up, and I realize who's at the airboat proclaiming the word of God? It's Javier, the younger brother who killed Alfredo's brother, who had learned to read that year, I was at his graduation from learning to read class, <laughs> and I was struck first of all, you know, as I recognized who it is, like by his courage, you know, that he's up there, and I'm like, this guy's terrible, is awful, you know, right? But by his courage to get up there and read, and then he hits me, <coughs> that's how you hear as a kid who thought, like, to kill somebody else was a joke, you know? And then, and then it hit me. I'm still walking across the room, <laughs> you know, and this young man is not only in Mass, but he's, now he's proclaiming God's Word. And he's preparing for baptism and confirmation and receive his Holy Communion in two weeks. And I swear to God, I'm walking across the room, and out of his mouth, he proclaims the words of the prophet Ezekiel, and I stopped in mid-step. It was the worst <laughs> proclamation of a reading I have ever heard in my life, but will remain the most powerful memory I have of that 732. He said, Te daré un corazón nuevo. I will give you a new heart. Arrangare tu corazon de piedra, I will take out of you your hearts of stone, and I will place within you a new heart. And there I am, in mid step, thinking to myself, Ah, that just happened, right? <laughs> it was in that moment as though I could see the stone rolling back from the entrance to the tomb in the glory of the new day That day without end the everlasting day the day star himself coming forth from the tomb. And I stood there in awe and in wonder because he has risen. He is not there. He who you seek is not here. The tomb is empty. Why do you look for him among the dead? Christ is risen from the grave. Trampling down death by death, and on those in the tombs, bestowing life. Today we celebrate this reality. We are present, brothers and sisters, with Peter and John and Mary and those first disciples. With all believers across time, at the empty tomb. His absence from the grave proclaims His living presence in the church, in the world, in His Word, and in our hearts. He desperately, desperately wants us to experience and to live in the gift of this new day. In His grace, in the power of His resurrection. Amen.